to the Standardized Patients Podcast. I am your host and avid sitcom watcher, Katie Culligan. In this podcast, we dive into the who, what, why, and huh of this quirky industry that no one has ever heard of. So what's a standardized patient, you may ask? Well, a standardized patient is a... A standardized patient is an opportunity to make mistakes. So often in this line of work, you have a situation where a med student will say something to you or they'll do something to you. And it's almost like you just want to put your head in your hands. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe they just said that or I can't believe they just did that. But to me, that's the really incredible thing about this work because they're making that mistake, A, with me, who like it's not affecting my life or my health or my standard of care. And, you know, I kind of feel like maybe that they made that mistake once. kind of got it out of their system, but it also opens up that opportunity for growth, that opportunity for dialogue. And that's the thing that I really relish about this work. As a theater artist, I'm a really big fan and believer in the power of rehearsal. And I think being a standardized patient is just providing a rehearsal opportunity for life. And I don't think that we rehearse things in life often enough. So to me, that is what being a standardized patient is. Nice. Thank you. What a well-documented version of that definition. And I agree like it is essentially a rehearsal for life and medicine so thank you so much for that definition our guest today who just said all that was kiernan mcgowan he is a theater artist a new dad and congratulations on that soccer fanatic and taco aficionado he has been a standardized patient for seven years and a physical exam instructor for five years so welcome kiernan thank you thank you taco aficionado what is your favorite kind of taco katie the answer is all of them (laughs) i love tacos. I was born in California, although I lived most of my childhood in North Carolina, but kind of did some going back and forth. But I just really, I think they're the perfect food. It's everything delicious, just wrapped up in a tortilla. And the first time that I was going to go to California with my wife, I told her before we left, I was like, listen, we're going to eat tacos every single meal on this trip. And she thought I was joking. Like she laughed at me. She's like, oh, ha ha. And then we get to San Diego and like, we're eating some breakfast tacos. And she's like, oh, oh no, I, I understand. Like we will be t- eating tacos at every meal because they're just, they're perfect in every way. (laughs) So do you like the soft tacos, the flour or the hard tacos or both? I like them all. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just, it depends on what the filling is. It depends on what you're talking about. Sometimes, you know, filling's better with a hard taco, sometimes better with a soft taco. If it's a taco, I will eat it. I'm going to be excited about it. And do you feel similarly about like Taco Bell? Are there different levels and tiers of tacos? No, I I am looking for something a little bit more (laughs) elevated. And it's actually one of the sad things things about living in DC. I live here in DC and DC has incredible ethnic foods of all varieties, but it really doesn't have a lot of good Mexican spots. It's like, if you want Salvadoran, great places for Salvadoran, but like a true, like amazing, awesome, like taco place. There are just not that, there are a few, there are a few, but there are just not that many in DC, which is always a little bit sad for me. Bummer. Uh, What is the best taco you've ever had? If you could. Oh man. So when I was in college, I spent a six weeks in Oaxaca, Mexico. Oaxaca is like such like the culinary heart of Mexico, just incredible, incredible food. And there was just this little taco place, like right around the corner from where I was staying. And they made a taco called the gringa. And the gringa was roasted pork, roasted pineapple, chopped up onions, cilantro, all served on a soft flour tortilla, which is normally not my favorite tortilla, but that's what it was served on. And then they just had like a whole array of like sauces and stuff on the table. And I think those are definitely the best tacos I've ever had for sure. So you remember this. Oh, yes, I do. I was like, oh yeah, I need that. (laughs) Yep. 
All right. So anyway, back to standardized patient work. Okay. So you've been a standardized patient for seven years, a standardized patient instructor for five years. So that's quite a bit of time, which is pretty awesome. So you've had some experiences. Our topic is partner session. So a partner SP session is essentially when you are doing an encounter with a student, but you have more than one standardized patient in the encounter. So this could be anywhere from like a mother-daughter scenario, a husband-wife scenario, a partner you know, spouses, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, any of that. There's lots of different scenarios and I've had a few of them that I find incredibly interesting and fun. Um, so, so that's our topic for today, partner SP sessions or multiple SP encounters. So I would love to just kind of open it up to you, Kiernan, like what has been your experience with those in the past? You know, I think similar to you, they're not kind of the most common SP encounter, but they do pop up. And the thing that I think is, is really wild about them is is that often they just are kind of pairing you with whoever else is there that day. There's like not a whole lot of prep time. There's not a whole lot of like ability to work together until like suddenly you're in the room with someone and a med student or two. And like suddenly you're pretending that, you know, this person is is your wife or this person is your niece or this person is uh, your mom. And so it can be a situation where like you're really just rolling with the punches. You're really trying to like figure out how to get on the same page kind of in real time while also providing that kind of educational opportunity for the med student. And often that's actually the hardest part is because like you get riffing with your partner and, you know, maybe you're both actors, maybe you both have improv training. Like you've got this backstory that you both know, but now you're kind of working on it together and you kind of have to slow yourself down and remember like, oh, right. But all of that is just in service of of helping this student have a chance to practice, have a chance to work through a potentially pretty difficult situation. So I think the hardest part is just trying to balance like that having fun and like letting those kind of like improvisational instincts take over while also still remembering that like you're trying to provide a really high quality educational opportunity for the student. Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. I would totally agree with that. And I would say that partner encounters are I haven't done them in a while, unfortunately, but they are some of my favorite ones to do just because of that improv factor. And also if you're doing more than one in a, a day or a week, you sometimes do get to do it with different partners playing the same roles. And that is so fun to see the difference. You know, when I was doing a mother-daughter case years ago, who is my mother today? Who's my mother tomorrow? And to see how they interact in, in different ways towards their quote unquote daughter or who's my husband today versus, you know, later today and how the riffing is different, but also getting that same point across. And I think it's just super fun to see what the other actors and SPs bring to the table. And it's always a little different even if it's the same case. You know, they're fun too, because really in any standardized patient encounter, it, it's always kind of a bizarre thing because as the patient, I've got a backstory, I've got symptoms, right? I'm like feeling ill. There's all of these like levels of, of kind of pretend and, and make-believe and acting and improvisation that's going on. But for the student, like they're just being themselves and they're trying as hard as possible to forget about all of that other stuff and just be themselves and try to treat the situation as realistically as they possibly can. Can, which is already kind of a, a weird uh, dynamic that's kind of going on in the room. And then you throw in, you know, a second actor, a second standardized patient, someone else who's portraying something. And I think in some ways it, it just gives the whole another level of things for students to think about. But on the other hand, I think sometimes it allows the student to really kind of get into it because they're like, all right, there's so much going on. Like I can't spend time thinking about like, oh, this is a simulation. Like I have to deal with these two people and figure out how to serve them both, right? How to make sure 
sure that they both feel listened to and that they both feel valued and also trying to remember like, okay, who is actually the patient in this scenario? Like who do I have a responsibility to? And, you know, do I need to separate them? Do I need to like make sure that one person isn't dominating the conversation? Do I need to make sure that like they've got their story straight? They're on the same page. So I think part of what's fun about it too, is I think the students have an easier time getting into it in a way because it's just so overwhelming. I know that I've had some really fun encounters and also their encounters that students remember. Yeah. You know, I do one that's the mom and, and her son, and there are some kind of things that are happening in their relationship. And I've had students like on the street weeks later be like, oh, you were the guy who was, you know, being mean to his mom or whatever. Oh so my gosh, really? uh, it, sticks, it sticks with students for sure. Yeah. Whoa. And then all of a sudden you're the villain on the street. Right? Yeah, I know. I have to be like, right. I was the guy being mean to his mom, but it was pretend and it was for your education that's not actually who i am i think i remember this case i don't think i ever got to play it maybe i can age into the the mom role at some point if that i think you have many decades ahead of you katie before you're gonna be in that role demographic I hope so. Um, but it is funny, you know, because sometimes with the mother daughter one that I think I have played during during evaluations, during actual testing. So sometimes you do these partner encounters where it's more of a just a formative event where, you know, people are learning, it's practice, it's it's in front of a group of their peers and mentors. And every once in a while they do them where it is tested. And they're evaluated. And so those, of course, are much higher stakes. And uh, and I do remember being, you know, the daughter and mother-daughter ones with some of these high stakes and being like, well, I'm definitely in my mid-20s <laughs> and I'm supposed to be playing a mid-teenager, if you will. <laughs> so it's, you know, and that maybe that person could be my mother, but we've all just kind of moved, you know, aged up a little bit here and we're just going to have to deal with that. But yeah, it's that whole idea of how do we juggle both of these people and it is about how do we get this one person out of the room tactfully so we can talk to this other person because that person is my patient whereas this the person that we're trying to get out of the room is a little domineering perhaps so have you had any experiences like that for sure i mean you know one of the things about medical care is it really depends on what your patient is saying you know if you're a doctor you know there are always like lab tests you can do there are always physical exam maneuvers you can do there you know are a whole bunch of other things but ultimately Ultimately, like you have to listen to your patient, you have to listen to what they're saying. And if for whatever reason your patient is in a position where they don't feel like they can be fully open and honest with you, like as a medical provider, you have a problem. And so I think there are a lot of instances where what you were talking about, kids come in with their parents and maybe feel like they can't be totally level with the provider. Or unfortunately, sometimes people come in with their partners and their relationship is not always one that is mutually respectful. And there's just like a whole host of reasons, I think, why like power dynamics come into play. And so one tactic that I've definitely seen the students use and definitely seen their instructors kind of point them to is, yeah, thinking about finding ways to sort of tactfully figure out how to get alone with your patient, how to send someone else out of the room. So yeah, I've definitely seen that. And I think that that's actually something that probably happens quite frequently, you know, out in the real world in their practice. So I'm glad that they're getting a chance to practice it with us. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's a really important skill to be able to do that because 
you just never know. You never know what the patient or one of the people is hiding or both that they just don't feel safe or comfortable to say. Have you had any experiences that have just been kind of silly or funny? So I was doing a partner encounter case and the, the sort of like general outline of the case was that I was like 19 or 20 or something and gotten my girlfriend's pregnant. We were coming in to get counseling for like prenatal care and like stuff like that. But the underlying of it all was that we were really young. We didn't really mean to get pregnant and we were kind of freaking out about the whole thing. And I was working with someone I had never met before. So like <laughs> literally it was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Let's go in and talk to this med student about how I have impregnated you by accident. So already kind of a weird situation, but we are in the middle of doing this encounter and, you know, we're kind of doing our thing. And the student is like, to me, it's very politely like, okay, can you please shut up now? I'm going to ask her girlfriend some questions. And so I started asking her just some like routine medical questions. And she asks her, do you smoke? And this SP playing my girlfriend is like, no, of course not. Like I don't smoke, you know, like I'm whatever worried about the baby and I don't smoke anyway. And yada, yada, yada. The student moves on to another line of questioning, but about 20 seconds later, this SP playing my girlfriend, she moves slightly. And Katie, I kid you not, the world's largest vape apparatus <laughs> comes tumbling out of her sweatshirt pocket and falls on the floor and like breaks into like four or five component parts. I'm telling you, you know, sometimes like a vape, it just looks like a little USB drive. This was like a huge honking thing. It was like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like, you needed a full tool chest to like put this thing together, falls out of her pocket on the floor and just like breaks everywhere. And like the three of us, me, this girl playing my girlfriend and the student are all just like staring at this thing (laughs) on the floor. And there's like a good like 10 second silence. <laughs> Finally, the SP playing my girlfriend, she looks that student dead in the eye and she says, oh, that's not mine. <laughs> and in that moment, I was just like, I don't know what to even say about like I don't even know if I said anything for like the rest of the encounter. I was like, oh, wow. I don't know how to come back from that. <laughs> The student was like, I don't, uh, okay, yeah, I'm just going to move on to some other questions. I don't know why you would go into an SP encounter with something like that in your pocket, but all of a sudden there it was on the floor. So that definitely sticks out as one of the funniest and silliest things. Funny now, while it was happening, like completely mortifying and like, oh my God, like this is the biggest mistake that I think I've ever made in an SP encounter. It's not like, oh, I forgot my birthday or whatever, but it's like, oh no, this is super bad. Like we just told her that you don't smoke. And now (laughs) that was very obviously a lie. We got to start thinking about what's going on. So did she pick it uh, up from the ground? Yeah, she picked it up and I think like put it back in her pocket, but it was like, oh man, that was... That was definitely. Yeah, that's a tough thing to come back from. And so she said, that's not mine. But then she didn't elaborate like, oh, this is my boyfriend's or this is somebody else's. No, she was just like, nope, that's not mine. And I think the student also like didn't quite know what to do and was just like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she like wrote on her piece of paper, like patient is obviously lying to me or something. But yeah, we just kind of moved on from that. And then afterward, it was like all right, so maybe like leave that with the rest of your stuff in the training room so that when we go into the exam room, that doesn't happen again. I'm assuming that never happened again. Oh, that is so funny. (laughs) It definitely didn't happen again for the rest of that day. Um, And 
yeah i i don't know i mean i I feel like if this has happened more than once it would start like going around the the like sp rumor mill everyone would be like oh my god do you hear about you know this girl who always has her vape pen with her (laughs) in the exam room so i've never heard anything like that uh i think it was just me that one time oh that's like um i I was performing in a show years ago and my wig fell off while i was in the middle of singing a solo yeah (laughs) so there's me and my wig cap and we're all just like here we are i took it off i threw it in the mic box and i kept singing and you know sometimes you just <laughs> you just have to keep going. It was definitely going. that exact kind of energy for sure. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Sadly, my partner experiences have not been that ridiculous. Just more of a just fun. <laughs> this was like clearly an out liar the whole standardized part of standardized patient is that like yeah you know every encounter is a little bit different just based on like who's in the room and what's happening but ultimately all the students who come to see you regardless of what time they come to see you should have more or less the same experience yeah yeah (laughs) for the best at least that I've done, they're all, you know, they're fun to do, but they're also a little heavy. Some are heavier than others. I don't think I've done any that are like, oh, there's nothing hard about this for the students. There's always something, whether it's a domestic violence or a teenager that needs to open up about birth control or I know I've done one in the past that was like an alcohol intervention uh, with a husband that you know once you're in the room they have to talk to you about your drinking problem and, and stuff like that so it's always something that has to elicit some emotions and then you just kind of have fun from there but yeah it, it's always important for the students to have those experiences. So I did a case a couple of years ago that was a marriage counseling case. And the background of the case was that I'd been married for a couple of years, but that I had gone on like a long work trip. And while I was gone on that work trip, my wife had cheated on me mm-hmm. and they were working not with uh, medical students. This was for therapists. And they had like a specific I guess like curriculum that they were training people who are already therapists in, but to be able to work with married couples. And so it was already like a super high stakes thing. And it was even more high stakes because it wasn't with medical students. It was like people who are already doctors, already professionals working in the field. And to do this, it was just me and one other SP. So it was just the two of us. We were the only people doing this thing. And the other SP that they hired to do this was my actual wife. (laughs) We, we weren't married at the time, but I think we're engaged. Me and my actual wife were playing a married couple that needed intervention because there had been infidelity in the relationship and we were doing it with actual therapists, actual wow. psychiatrists. And so that was a really intense experience because my wife is also a theater artist and we met doing a play together and we've actually had the good fortune to be in a number of productions together. So being in a scene with my wife is something that I've done before and something that I, I like to think that we're both sort of used to and good at. But just like you're saying, the case was really a pretty extreme situation. It was pretty heavy. There was kind of a lot to it, definitely more than your average standardized patient encounter. And it was really difficult actually spending an entire day yelling at my wife for being unfaithful and then having to like go home afterwards and be like, um, so that was a, a crazy day at work that we both just had. Um, I think we actually left and my wife was like, okay, so now you're going to go buy me dinner. And I was like, yep, absolutely. Like we're going to go to our favorite restaurant. I'm going to buy you dinner. No problem. That's definitely what we're going to do right now. Maybe have a few extra margaritas and uh, (laughs) call it a day. They can get heavy and sometimes some more so than others for sure. 
Yeah. Afterwards, when you're eating your favorite food and drinking margaritas, did you dissect the day or was it kind of like we're leaving it at... We kind of left it behind. Part of the day was that they were filming the entire thing oh. because they were also going to use it later for like a training film for oh. the therapists who like weren't able to be there on site that day. So somewhere out there in the universe, I have never seen it, but somewhere out there in the universe, there's also a like training film that features me and my wife pretending to be married, having a knockdown drag out argument while a therapist tries to like talk us down and like get us back on the same page so we definitely like put it aside after that day but somewhere in the universe like it is out there so i don't know if you've got like google sleuths you want to try to track that down i like that some detective work that would be it would you want to watch it if you were able to find it you know i don't know i think one of the things that was interesting about it is that it was filmed but the entire thing was improvised so they gave us like the backstory but we didn't have a script or anything Uh and you know usually when you do film you've got a script and you do your multiple takes or whatever and then months down the line the director and the editor chooses which one of the takes to use and that's kind of what ends up in the final film and so I don't know there's something about the idea that like there wasn't a script it was like totally improvised like I have literally no idea what I said you know at like any point or like which of the things I said they use so I think it would be pretty weird watching yourself on film is always a little bit of a weird situation but I think this one would be really weird because it's like there wasn't a script there wasn't like anything like that could have happened probably did happen and then whatever thing they chose it's like well I don't remember you know particular incidents or anything like that so almost like it'd be pretty trippy well hey you'll have to let me know if you ever come across that or if if one of our listeners does track it down that'd be fascinating you never know and so the last thing about that you all have the opportunity did you all get to give feedback Yeah, a little bit. The folks we were working with were already professionals working in the field. And what they were doing is that they were studying to get like an additional credential so that they would be able to do this like specific kind of marriage counseling. And so in a way, there was like less feedback in the same way that often we'll give medical students feedback where we talk about, oh, when you said this thing to me, here's how I felt. Like here was what my reaction was. Or we'll reflect back to them, be like, you know what? You seemed a little bit nervous when you were asking me about X. You know, am I reading that correctly? How did you feel while you're asking me those questions? And with these therapists, it was really more of a conversation. They were much more open about, you know, this particular tactic works well with a lot of my patients, but it, it didn't work well in this situation. So I was trying to figure figure out, you know, what else to do or what else to try. Or they'd be like, oh, I noticed that when I said this, that really helps calm you down and redirect you. And so I tried to do more of that. So I think they were just, because they're at such a higher skill level, I think they were just more aware of sort of where they were, which meant that that feedback conversation could be much more of a back and forth and could be much more in depth, where a lot of times when we're working, particularly with like the first and second year med students, it's like, we're just trying to get them used to like being sensitive to and really thinking about a patient's needs and like how patient is going to hear things and how a patient's going to react to things. So that was interesting too, to really have that, that higher level conversation. And that was also mixed up with, because we were doing this filming thing, we also had the like head therapist sometimes be like, yeah, yeah, that was, that was great. That was like super great when like you were yelling at her like that. And like, maybe next time, like, don't let the therapist calm you down, like really push back, really like, you know, they're uh, come back you. at them. So yeah. So it was also, there was like conversation happening too. So it was a wild day for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, <laughs> I wish I wish I could be a fly on the wall for that. But hey, again, maybe maybe if we find the footage sometime we can. There is always, I think, just a little bit of a, a strangeness in what we do 
generally speaking. And I think that these partner encounters, they just provide a really nice opportunity to see what other people, what other standardized patients are doing. I think a lot of times in my kind of standardized patient bubble, I feel like, well, I know how I'm portraying a case or like, I know which details I'm kind of picking out of backstory that I think are important to get out. I know how I'm going to respond to like a particular style of questioning or a particular, um, even like line of questioning. And with these partner cases, it's just really interesting to see what other people are doing and how other people respond to things differently than than I would or that I do. And it's just a really nice reminder that for as much rehearsal as we can give these med students, right? Every patient's going to be unique. Every patient's going to be different. And that one of their jobs is really going to be reading the room and responding to exactly what each patient is bringing in. You know, they can't just treat it like it's an assembly line of sick people just moving through their office. They really have to kind of pause and stop to listen. And I think that when I'm doing these partner cases, it provides me with a really nice opportunity to kind of pause and really examine what I'm doing watching the incredible people that we work with and the way that they're approaching the same material. So I've always found that to be really valuable and really a good time to be able to reflect when doing these partner cases as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's so well put. And the last thing I'd say on that is it's also, again, when you've been able to give feedback, whether it's verbally to the group, to the student that you're working with, or when I've done it and it's evaluative, like written feedback to see what bothers another standardized patient versus what bothers you or on the other hand what makes you feel a lot of times what makes you feel good is are often the same thing but pet peeves or things that maybe this person picked up that you're like oh I didn't that didn't bother me too much so just kind of seeing from their like actual SP brain as well <laughs> and giving feedback you know one of the things that we're doing all the time is we're giving students feedback whether that's formal feedback after an encounter going like okay here's the thing that happened or in the room when you know they maybe phrase something a little bit strangely and they see on our face that like it didn't quite land or like we're feeling a little bit weird about what they just said. Art of giving feedback, I think is really difficult. It's really difficult to give someone something that like is actionable, something that's specific, something that's repeatable, and also to tell it to someone in a way that they're going to be receptive to it. And they're going to be interested in taking that feedback, incorporating it and really using it to improve. And I feel like in these partner encounters, just like you're talking about, I have learned so much about just the art of giving feedback by watching my colleagues do it, watching them do it well and watching them do it not so well. You know, I feel like I have really learned a lot about that particular skill. And I think it's one of the hardest things about what we do, but I think also one of the most essential. So partner encounters, I think are also an incredibly valuable opportunity to listen and to learn about how to give feedback as well. And not just, you know, how to portray one set of case details over another. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Thank you so much to our guest, Kiernan McGowan. You are a wonderful person. We really appreciate you being here. Our listeners are looking to find Kiernan. You can find him by his email, which is Kiernan at wehappyfewdc.com. I'd love to point out if you want to check up what he's been up to, you can check out We Happy Few's audio plays. So tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah. So because of the pandemic, we shifted to doing these audio plays before we're able to get back in front of a live audience again. And what we're doing in this most recent round of audio plays is that they're both mystery stories. So one is a Sherlock Holmes 
mystery. And we've paired that with a mystery story by this woman, Catherine Louisa Perkis, who was writing mystery stories at the same time that Sherlock Holmes was being written. And her detective is named Loveday Brooke. So we have a Loveday Brooke mystery. We have a Sherlock Holmes mystery. They're both audio plays, but they both also come with at-home experience kits. So when you order the play, we're going to mail to your house a box that has got props. It's got recipes. It's got world building elements, but it also has clues. And so you can solve the mystery alongside Sherlock, alongside Love Day, while you're listening to an incredible cast of actors performing the story. And I will say the incredible cast of actors features a number of standardized patients. So maybe some familiar voices for some folks out there as well. You can find those at our website, wehappyfewdc.com. They are a great thing when you're sitting around with your family and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what we're going to do. Come and solve a mystery with us. They're so much fun. Yeah, thank you. That sounds super cool. Very interactive and great for, for the whole family. All right. Thanks so much. And we will also link to that in the show notes as well. And of course, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Standardized Patients Podcast. Thanks as always to Randy Sharp for the use of our theme song, Mr. Garita. And you can find their music at Artlist. Thank you to Catherine Bobalek for behind the scenes work, audio post-production, and our cover art. And that is our show. See you next time as we encounter more standards of standardized patient work. Thank you.